But here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Yes, of course. We will I mean, you don't even have to think about it. Life. So let's rhyme it today. Rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just yeah, that's where he just Ooh, ran down. Everybody! I'm not going to remember any of it. That's the way to go. All over the Rams today and ram it. I mean, now he's like on his feet. How are you guys? Who's house? Wow. Ram it. What's everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Rams Brothers the Pod. I'm your host, Dean, and I'm joined by the other host and my brother, Nick. Nick, how are you today? I'm good, man. Having a good day. Minus the fact that the Rams have been playing horribly. I am good. (laughs) It feels like it's been a while. It's been a couple of weeks. We took a few weeks off. Hope everybody had a really happy holiday, a great holiday with their family, a happy new year. Uh, The Rams kicked us off the second day of the new year with a loss at SoFi Stadium, 31 to 10 to the Chargers, which was technically an away game for the Rams. Very, very strange uh, situation that they were in where it was like 80-20 Chargers fans uh, that that owned the stadium at SoFi. It's just, and the Rams fall to 5-11, and 11, which is the most losses by a Super Bowl defending champion in NFL history, right? So there's like all these statistics that are coming out. Chargers improved to 10 and 6. Rams fall to 1 and 6 on the road this year, but they're 4 and 5 when they're home this season. But it seems like the Chargers are on their way to a potentially deep playoff run. They're getting hot at the right time, and it may finally be time for Brandon Staley and his downward dog to make some noise in the playoffs. I guess we will see what the Chargers are going to be able to do. I'll um, be rooting but, for the Chargers in the postseason. Yeah, there's uh, there's no rivalry it feels like between the Rams and, and the Chargers whatsoever. I think that there's a friendly competition, right? They play in the same stadium, but there were tweets that were coming out of the game, like the the uh, Will Smith and uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air when, this is the name of the friend, DJ Jazzy Jeff gets thrown out of the house. Yeah. That, that's the meme that I was seeing where there was a Ram head on top of G- DJ Jazzy Jeff and Uncle Phil's throwing us out of the house. So that's, that's not like where the rivalry I feel like is going. It's one team that's in a completely separate conference. They look like they're on the right track. The Rams are coming off of a Super Bowl victory. I don't, I don't feel that there's a direct competition. Maybe you feel a little bit differently. No, no, I don't think so. Um, I, I think the Chargers are like the eighth most important team in Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> maybe even lower. Pete, uh, you know, they, Good for them for cultivating something, but you know, as soon as uh, as soon as those playoff hopes uh, going into the following years fall apart, I don't think they're going to have as big of a big of a fan base. Was it really eighty twenty? Is that what people said? That's what people were saying. Yeah, the stadium was almost at full capacity, which was nice to see. I you, I don't want to be in a situation where even if the Rams are in an away game and it's a Chargers home game, whatever. But in a situation where it's a Rams home game, you can't get enough Rams fans there. Maybe the other team is lackluster and you see like 75% capacity. And that beautiful new stadium is not good to see, but they were almost packed to the brim. I think it was like 98%, but 80-20 Chargers fans. I hate to say it, but if we were in a situation where this game mattered, um, I know that there would be a lot more Rams fans there. You you like to see fans there at every single game, but – you know, because the Chargers had something to play for, their you know their fans are going to show up. Like you know. yeah, and I and I understand it, and good for them. 
you know, they have uh, AFC hopes. They're one of the hot teams right now. I don't know if they'll be on the same level as the Chiefs or the Bengals, but they're pretty good. And it'd be nice to see them make some noise because they've historically been one of those franchises that just knocks on the door. Yeah. Yeah. Is always there. Phil Rivers did a good job of getting them there, but never over the hill. That Mari, always go back to that Marty Schottenheimer year where they were, I think, 14 and two. The Ladanian Tomlinson, I think he broke the touchdown record in that season, and they missed a field goal in overtime, I think, to advance them to the AFC Championship probably about 15 years ago at this point. But always, I feel like, is kind of the definition of that franchise. They get to where they feel like they need to be, and then to get over the hump, there's teams like Buffalo, Kansas City, right? Everybody's kind of in the way of, of them kind of taking that next step, but they got a top five quarterback. They have an unbelievable head coach who we've grown to love over the last three years. Just his right. career trajectory has been insane. Right now he's going to be considered widely considered to be one of the top 10 head coaches in the league after people were calling for his head earlier this season and last season. So I, I feel like they're in, they're in a, a really good spot to be able to make some noise. Um, and, you know, they're interesting. They have a three-headed monster, right? You see Gerald Everett and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler, you know, the bald wonder, Mr. Clean, is just winning people fantasy leagues left and right. And it's what he likes to do. He likes to hold the belt and on social media and show it off. And they're fun. I mean, I, I have to give them credit where credit's due. Yeah. And, you know, for Staley, it's, it's nice to see the McVay coaching tree just, uh, you know, go into more and more success because it – Really, it's just going to add to his legacy and Shanahan because I guess he kind of comes from that tree too. Well, think about it. Kevin O'Connell has 12 wins this year, right? Brandon Staley has 10 wins this year. Matt LaFleur, hopefully getting the Packers back into the playoffs so that we can knock out the 49ers. Who else is on that coaching tree? Zach Taylor? Zach Taylor. The damn Bengals look like they're going to be back in the Super Bowl again this year. So uh, McVay's coaching tree collectively has, what, 44 wins this season? That's pretty damn impressive. Yeah. Compared yeah, to the Rams, is you know, five. I would have liked to have seen it in a, you know, I guess the best time to see it is a season where we're struggling because you don't want to really yep. see the other teams doing like super well. Well, the entire the entire NFL season has been extremely interesting. Like, I feel like this playoff bracket is going to be extremely competitive. Right, we're watching a game right now. You got the Bengals and the Bills on on Monday night. It feels like a playoff atmosphere completely. You could hear the roars through the TV. Well, so it's an I'm hoping time to be a football fan outside of just watching the Rams. And going into this last week, the Rams actually have something to play for. They could they sure send, do. They could send Goff and the Lions to the playoffs if they beat Seattle. Um, and then is it in Seattle? It's got to be in Seattle. Uh, I'm not sure. Hold on, let me look it up. I, I I'm I'm almost positive. I would bet that Seattle. it's in Seattle because the game that we played against them was in LA the first time. Yeah, so it's in Seattle. So they got to take care of business in Seattle. Baker's got to you know make some noise. Maybe Baker revenge game because he didn't. Yep picked up by them yep it's in seattle Mm -hmm. so if they can beat seattle then um it would be great for for the lions to have their first primetime game this year under the lights in lambo yeah that game actually got flexed right so that's going to be now sunday night football that's going to be super fun to watch how about this lions rams parallel that's going on it could have been disastrous right one way jared goff could have not been the quarterback that the lions expected to receive matthew stafford could have not won a super bowl but right now, it's like a love affair between two franchises. Right. And um, I saw, like, the Detroit Rams and people putting our logo on the lion to, like, show the simpatico relationship. But <laughs> if there are NFL script writers, if they do exist and if they are out there, um, you got to think they want that Sunday night game to matter more. I would think so. 
because the Lions, it, it's a win and get in situation if the Rams can take care of business for either team, Lions or Green yep. Bay. So that would be really fun and interesting to watch. That's the reason why it was flexed too, right? Because the Rams and the Seahawks are going to be playing at what, four o'clock? Or one o'clock, right? So it'll be an afternoon game, and then you see the Sunday night game kind of come around. And oh, the, for the Lions to to even have a shot, right? The fact that they're they've come back from being one and seven, and they're making a, a resurgence. What are they eight and seven at this point, or eight and eight? They need another yeah. win to uh, potentially get themselves into the playoffs. I'm rooting for them, and if the Rams could do their part and and beat Seattle, which I feel like they're very capable of doing, and we get to see the Lions in the playoffs with Jared Goff. I mean, the excitement levels obviously aren't the same as watching the Rams in the wild card round. But if you kind of get, you know, pieces of that, if you get a little Jared Goff at a wild card round, you should see if they're for 400 yards and three touchdowns and bring the, the Lions for the first time in our lifetimes to a divisional round playoff game. I think all Rams fans will be excited over the fact that the Lions are getting to enjoy some of what we got to enjoy over the first four years with Jared Goff. Yeah, absolutely. It's just a it's a shame because they've really been putting in a lot of great effort on that franchise this whole season only for them to blow so many games early on but that you know that's just, the uh that's the luck of the uh luck of the draw in the nfl unfortunately that's how it goes they seem like they just wake up the lions and they score 41 points in their sleep yeah you know i thought i wake I up thought that bears game was going to be when they blew it all but nope lo and behold they they they, they took care of business handsomely yeah but imagine how much better of a position they would be in if they would have beaten carolina Right in that game where we felt like they were going to be able to kind of get over the hump. If mm-hmm. if they're able to win that game and string together six, seven wins going into this Packers game on Sunday Night Football, it's, that's more interesting to watch. Yep. I, I do want to spend some time talking about the Rams over the last three weeks. So because what some of these players are doing, I think, is warranting an opportunity to be a part of the run next year. Uh, you know, to keep us competitive within these type of games that seem like they're absolute blowouts, although they're not right. If you could put together a good game plan, you could, you know, plug the right players in in certain positions. And it, it seems like it's all stuff that the year that Cam Akers is having has just been so interesting to study. Right. Because this last four or five week stretch is one of the best stretches he's had in his NFL career. But prior to this, he was in the doghouse. He took a leave of absence. He wasn't a part of McVay's game plan. I think the way that he wanted to be. McVeigh was talking about the way that he's responded both mentally, physically, uh, with his heart, right? They feel like that he's a really, really good person and he's capable of being the same guy that he was previous to the injury. Um, But it's when everything kind of starts to come together and you see maybe flashes from a couple of guys in losing seasons, you have faith that you could potentially see them be a part of the offense and be a part of a run in the next coming years. And Cam Akers is going to be in the fourth year of his rookie deal. Then this four or five week stretch is warning him potentially being a starter for this team next year. And if there's additional help that they do need, maybe there's a thought that it'll be a little bit more minimal based on some of the free agents that are out there, right? You may not need to get a Josh Jacobs. You may not need to go after Saquon Barkley. If you feel like you have Cam and you could maybe look at a, a lower tier free agent, maybe you could build a solid running game. Nick, this is the first Rams running back, Cam Akers, since CJ Anderson in 2018 to have back-to-back 100-yard games on the ground. And it was the first time Cam Akers has done that in his career. My first question for you there is, would you have believed me if I told you that C.J. Anderson owned that stat? No, I would have thought for sure it was Todd Gurley. (laughs) Same. That's almost uh, remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. What were the two games? Wait, can I try to guess the two games? Sure. Because it's not that big of a, a, you know, of a sample size. 
I'm guessing it was the San Francisco week, like the final game they played going into the playoffs and then the playoff game against Dallas. Uh, my guess would be the playoff game against Dallas too. So I guess that's not technically in back-to-back weeks, but I'm going to try to find it right now. No, it right? would because uh, right, it would because be. right they took the wild card round off because they had the bye. Mm-hmm. So 2018, because that that was my thought too, was oh wild card divisional round because he just owned and then, the Cowboys. Yeah, and then the game so, before the divisional round. Uh, I don't. So okay, so this is week 15, week 16 of 2018. He went for so. Against the Cardinals, when they won 31 to 9, he went 20 carries for 167 yards and a touchdown. And then the next week against San Francisco, Francisco. week 16, he went 23 carries for 132 yards. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I have to see his game logs. I was was about to look up the in the postseason to see if he did it three weeks in a row because I feel like that was the one week where he didn't. Um, He probably got like no wild card round. So he did technically three weeks in a row. Right. So with with the buy, with the wild card round being a buy, we're not counting that. 23 carries, 123 yards, and a touchdown against All Dallas. Right, so, so so Cam has to do it one more week. Cam's Cam's got to do it again. He's got to do it one more time against Seattle. I think it's possible. No, he's been the he's been the shining star, which has been so weird considering how there was so much. I feel like everything in the Rams organization, if there's any kind of flaw. It has to get out. But for some reason, somebody's in there is like leaking everything because yeah. it would have been so much better um, if the information that Cam, you know, like things weren't going well. If that never came out and it was solved completely in-house, um, I think it would have had a lot less, uh, you know, fan well, I- heads going which way about him and like changing their opinions about him. Uh, I always was kind of, you know, stand, stand strong with Cam. I think he's he's proven himself. But I also think now we're at a point where the offensive line is getting more comfortable. Yep, yep. So I'm not sure how much of it is him because let's say, I mean, two people right off the bat, you were telling me yesterday, uh, Josh Jacobs, Miles Sanders, both free agents next year, right? Like I would take either of them. Uh, maybe you could convince me Cam Akers is, has a more of an upside than Miles Sanders. But like yeah. Josh Jacobs – if that's on the board and we're getting Stafford back and cup and maybe Robinson starts to mold into some kind of, you know, profitable receiver for them, then, then I'm like, yeah, you know, let's get Jacobs. This guy's, yep. you know, proven and way better. I, I mean, I think to me, that's potentially the direction you go in the off season, right? As you try to bolster up the, the, the unit up front, right? If you can consistently get push up front and you can be, uh, a team that has depth in those situations and you could win games because you're tough up front, you're tough at the line of scrimmage. I that the point of attack is so important. I think that that's where they need to be. But like with like to your point with Josh Jacobs, in the last five games, I'm just going to go off with Cam Akers' numbers in the last five. 91 touches, 83 carries, eight receptions, 408 rushing yards. It's an average of 4.81 yards per carry. So just to give you a frame of reference, and I'm going to go back to Josh Jacobs for a second. But first, Khalil Herbert, he is the leading rusher in terms of running backs with 5.72 yards per carry. Um, but Cam Akers also contributed 75 receiving yards and six touchdowns in this five-game span. But if yards, if his yards per carry, Nick, I felt like have held up this entire year. So, for example, if he was at 4.81 yards per carry the entire season, then I he would be above players like Jalen Hurts and Isaiah Pacheco and Christian McCaffrey and Kenneth Walker in terms of yards per carry. Josh Jacobs... He lives above that. 
right? Like that's a guy that has been doing this the entire season. So if you want this five game sample size of Cam Akers to be stretched out throughout 17 games, you're going to potentially need somebody like Miles Sanders or Josh Jacobs to be able to come in and carry the load. Because what Cam Akers has shown us outside of these five games, I don't think is enough to be able to carry the load for an entire season. Right. That's, that's exactly how I feel. But like, I would, you know, I would still keep him. I would try yeah, to keep yeah. him as he's like in the last year of his of his deal. So he's not going to really cost you anything next year, right? Unless they, you know, make a deal with somebody that's like sweeten the pot with Cam Akers. But yeah, yeah, that would be I the think, only uh, way I can see them parting ways with him. The question that we're all probably asking ourselves is: Is, is he the guy? Like, is oh, he the actually... question I'm asking myself is: Where is Daryl Henderson? <laughs> where did where where did he go? Nowhere. No one. Nowhere. nowhere. No, he got dropped. Currently, like currently not signed. It's isn't it weird? You think that they that they would somebody would would have scooped him up by now? I mean, he you know, is like that the end of his NFL him. career? I hope not for his sake. I feel like he has more to offer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh yeah. Well, it's. I mean, it's Daryl Henderson is not not going to be. Uh, maybe he comes back, you know, maybe he's the third back next year, but if he had an attitude problem, this like the Daryl Henderson's situation was something that they completely kept in house. There were no rumors. There were no leaks. It was like Daryl Henderson is released. The Cam Akers stuff all leaked, right? It was, it was like Cam Akers has an attitude problem. He's not getting along with Sean McVay. He's taking a leave of absence. He's missing practices. Like for this to fully turn onto its head, and for Cam Akers to actually be the lead back in this offense in week 17 of this season is, is pretty hard to believe. But I think that Nick, like his, his receiving total yesterday should have been much higher that drop down the sideline that we saw on the left sideline on that first down play. You know, that that's a big miss, but then the way that he picks he up, he could have went to the house with that one. He would have housed it for sure. And the receiving numbers would be totally inflated and you'd add another touchdown to that stat line at runoff. But he, the way he's been picking up the blitz on that big play to Hopkins, um, I feel like he's earning snaps when his numbers isn't necessarily being called, right? When the ball's not in his hands, running backs have to be able to earn time on the field without, you know, you're running the ball for six, seven yards. You have to be able to block. You got to be able to pass protect all those things. So uh, pretty interesting to see with Cam. The, the offense, I think in general, like the fake jet sweep to 2-2 Atwell into the 90 toss, which led to Cam Akers' long 42-yard run. It was the second longest run I think I've ever seen him have. I think it was the second longest in his career. Uh, yeah, he did. He had a 61-yard carry against the Niners in 2020. This highlight, Nick, if you have a chance to go back and watch it, Goff gives him the ball, Robert Woods comes up and taps him on the helmet, and then Josh Reynolds gives him a hug. <laughs> it's like they're all, all gone. Just such a weird, weird clip to watch because Cam looks now, finally, in the most recent game that we watched him, like he did back in 2020 when he was a rookie. <laughs> Yeah, that 2020 season always kind of is what us Cam Akers believers harken back to because at a time where the defense was the focal point of the Rams, um, they were the number one defense and they you know, were standing tall. The offense was kind of struggling. Cam Akers was like this shine of like, oh, boy, maybe if we get him to like where he is 100%, you know, maybe he's like a little bit of the Todd Gurley that Goff needs. And then from there, you know, we'll see where we can build. And then they were like, nope. (laughs) <laughs> yeah no just it didn't work and then yeah, that, that picture yeah. of danny jones and saquon barkley man that that reminded me exactly of what we saw with Gurley and goff yeah like yeah let's build our next 10 years right like we're good these are our two guys and it just it doesn't always work out that way right it's, it's so tough 
I, I felt like the, the offense early on in this game, when they were still hanging around a little bit, like the misdirection play and then the inside give to Brandon Powell, which was his only carry of the game. I thought that there was some masterful play calling earlier on in this game. And the sequence of plays that they've been calling is giving them an, a chance offensively, at least in the beginning of games. And you saw it later on in the Raiders game. You know, you saw it a little bit later on in the Christmas game, right, where they're just kind of pounding and uh, are able to just make things click on offense. But like they, they do things that I think are what it's, it's emblematic of what you do when you have a really good head coach. Like you could be really competitive for a couple of quarters when you don't necessarily have the personnel, but you're a well-coached team four of 11 on third down, Nick, I'm almost hundred percent positive. All four of those, those first downs, those third down conversions came in the first half, right? There's like a severe drop off instant in like instantaneously um, after the first half with this team in this game. And it's, it's, Kind of tough to watch. Like, I'm happy about the progression that Baker Mayfield and Van Jefferson have been making. Again, he's gotten eight targets over the last two weeks. He's caught six for 96 yards. And he's really their only threat offensively downfield. And it's it's so clear that Sean McVay still wants to be able to throw the ball downfield when he has the opportunity. If Sean McVay could marry something outside of his wife, I think it would be a long developing pass play. <laughs> and um, that that's that's what you get a little bit with Van Jefferson allows you to open up the offense and Baker when he you know when things kind of break down a little bit and he's got to improvise and he's got to make stuff up on the spot. I, I feel like he's done a pretty decent job of being able to locate Van Jefferson down the field. It makes the game less painful to watch, in my opinion. Mm. Baker Mayfield did that thing, which I'll I'll demonstrate. to everybody. Yeah, please get up and do it because I know exactly what you're going to do. Yeah, because he used to do this all the time. It's like it's like he gets the ball and he does like a yeah, leg kick. <laughs> he does like a he does like a leg kick in the air to like start running, which I is like I, the same thing I would do at recess right before I was about to get tagged. I think uh, what I would like to do it's like a the, Mario air jump. Yeah, for the next season of um, of Rams Brothers for season six, That's I want to put, put a headset. Yeah, we're gonna cut the intro, but I want to put no, a headset. no 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 no. We're not gonna cut it. We're just gonna change it up. We're, change it, condense. We'll, we'll talk about it. I want to put a headset for some episodes on you so that we can get some physical comedy. What do you mean a headset? Because <laughs> you could have gotten up. I could have heard you take me play by play through the kick, right? And what you saw on the field, if you saw the linebackers coming in, like I wanted you to give us kind of like a virtual reality lesson. The, of a- The ultimate goal for this is just full Manning cast. <laughs> it's just it's just me and you doing our own Manning cast while the Rams games are playing. I maybe that's our next step. Yeah. You never know. I'll take it. I can't fucking hear anything, Eli. <laughs> What's oh, okay. Uh that's a that's a pass breakdown right there. <laughs> okay. Eli on his own. Okay, struggle. Peyton can't hear anything, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's biggest gripe with the Manning cast is that it's too awkward. And I'm like, that's my favorite part about that's it. That's the best I, part. Yeah. I <laughs> like these two are trying to be entertaining and they're just like always looking at each other. Like, was that funny? <laughs> that's because that's, you're always a little bit more self-conscious. I think when it's you and your brother on the screen, because it's like a family representation of you trying to do something new. Nine right? out of 10 of the jokes are always about the forehead too. Yeah. Yeah. Not cool, man. Give them a break. He's got so much knowledge stored up there. So many cans on each play. Yeah. He just knows. He knows what he's doing. Before we get into the defense, too, because we're going to switch sides, uh, I want to bring to you our sponsor, 
one of our sponsors, but it's going to be the only sponsor in this episode. It's Bet Online. Basketball's back in the new year, obviously. Football, playoffs, um, everything is is heating up right now. It's a fun time of year. Uh, Bet Online remains your number one source for all sports and betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team match of info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest, always the easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag today to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with the first deposit. Make sure you use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your awards. Bet online, where the game starts. Believe, promo code, right there. The defense, um, it, it's been a roller coaster the entire season. One week, I think that Raheem Morris is, is incredibly smart. Uh, I think that the defense has some talent on it, and there's some young players that have shown the ability to step up, even without players like Aaron Donald. You cut Justin Hollins, you lose Ashawn Robinson to injury. Greg Gaines is limited on snaps. Like you just don't have what you feel like you need to have defensively in order to to stop this type of offense. I just felt like they had no answer for Mike Williams or Keenan Allen whatsoever. No, and you know, say what you will about the Colts. The, they did a really good job of showing what you need to take down and how to stop this Chargers offense. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, they showed the Rams just showed way too much zone to leave these guys open right in the middle of the field, which I mean, honestly, if you want to write the story of this season, I think a lot of people are, are going to want to start with, uh, well, the offensive line and, you know, all the injuries, but these these Rams have been hanging around in these in, in these close games despite all of the injuries. Yeah. And the defense has really been holding teams to nothing. Like they are giving them everything that they need. And not that the offense really put up any points. I mean, I think it was 10 total. Mm-hmm. But I feel like everything the Chargers wanted on offense, they got. Unfortunately. That's I and I felt like it was one of the best offensive performances that the Chargers have had, mistake-free. I think there were two penalties. They were 8 of 13 on third down. But like defensively, if you flip it, 431 total yards allowed, 7 yards per play allowed, 7.7 in the air, 6.2 averaged on the ground. Herbert was 21 of 28 for 212 yards and two touchdowns. Like They pitched a perfect game against Raheem Morris's defense, unfortunately. The 8 of 13 third down conversions – is specifically because pressure is so goddamn lackluster, and it has been all season. Like, we got zero sacks on the day. You couldn't force a single turnover. I feel like it just went from bad to worse once the offense started to saw, stall, which is, I feel like, it's somewhat normal in the NFL, right? If, if an offense kind of starts to stall, the defense is out on the field more often. The offense is running the ball well. It's a time of possession battle. They're winded, right? There's a number of, combi- of, of things and factors that kind of come into that equation, but I felt like for for what the Chargers were able to accomplish against the defense who's been playing mediocre all year, but good enough to potentially keep you in games that showed me that the Chargers are good enough to win a couple of playoff games this year. Yeah. I, I, I have to agree. I think they're going, but like, like, like we always said, their story is always written. They have to get out of the wild card round. Yeah. Like, like their story always ends like right around there. Yeah. So 
if they're able to do that, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really know who they're lined up playing right now. I actually think it would be the Jags. So that would be a mm. pretty great matchup for them. I would say so. Because I think they're the best of the wild card teams. And it's Jags or Titans. And I'll take the Chargers on either of those two uh, games. Let me see if I can find the, the AFL, AFC playoff picture. I so think it looks like I think it's the Jags because they're the best. Oh, or, or it's they the Jags. Play. Yeah, it is. It, is. it would be the Jags, yep. But yep. the Ravens, Jags. how many wins ahead, do the Ravens gonna... have? The Ravens are 10 and 6. So they're the sixth seed. They're going to be at Cincinnati, who's the third seed. Okay. So it would be the first round by would be the Chiefs. They're 13 and 3. Uh, and then two against seven would be Buffalo against New England in Buffalo. And then three versus six would be Cincinnati versus Baltimore in Cincinnati. And then four versus five would be Jacksonville at Chargers or Chargers at Jacksonville. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm going to take the Chargers every day of the week in that game. Yeah, exactly. So, although I don't know, I love Doug Peterson and I love Trevor Lawrence and they've been playing really well. You never know. I think that um, like we've heard Sean McVay say this countless tr- times, but it's I think it's really the truth. And it's kind of emblematic of what this whole season has been. Like the way you call games offensively totally depends on how your defense is handling the challenge that's presented in front of them. Like if you feel obligated to catch up in a certain situation, the last four drives, Nick, in this game ended the following way. And it's why this game seemed to just steeply drop off a cliff. Fumble, punt, punt, punt. Five plays, uh, five plays, five plays, three and out, three and out were those four drives. So a total of 45 yards in, in four series after the Chargers went up 24 to 10 in the, in the beginning of the third quarter. Like the game just, it's a steep decline. And when you allow 192 yards on the ground between Eckler, Joshua Kelly, and Roundtree the third, like it's really tough to overcome because how it affects time of possession and the three-headed monster. Right of of those three guys plus three pass catchers and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Gerald Everett, like it was way too much for us to handle. And you saw young guys getting exposed. I think schematically something needs to change. I don't think the bend don't break methodologies is sustainable throughout an entire year, year after year after year. When you have a personnel drop off, clearly it was sustainable in the Super Bowl year when you have a high powered thirty four points per game offense. But when right. things drastically change, you have to be able to schematically change things up to benefit the personnel. Not something that Raheem Morris doesn't know. There's no shot. I'm saying that I'm smarter than him. Just, just saying that what what needs to be said is you could make adjustments and be a better defense instead of going the opposite direction. And it's funny. I would think going into this this year, he was probably one of the most likely candidates to get a head coaching job next year, and now. I would think he's like towards the bottom of the barrel. A hundred percent. Like he, like they needed, they needed the defense to be anything this year to have any kind of hope. And time and time again, the defense is just giving up so many points. Like you said, when you're, you know, when you're putting also, when you're also putting up a lot of points, you can kind of, you know, you can worry more about turnovers than the amount of points you're giving up. But, you know, it, some of these guys are showing life. Uh, Kobe Durant, I really like what, what I'm seeing from him. And, you know, yep. but boy, oh boy, without Aaron Donald out there, the Rams defense is just pitiful. Yeah, it's tough. I'm actually looking at the top five NFL offensive, uh, offensive coordinators who could become head coaches in 2023. I have one thought, and then I'm, I'm thinking that Raheem Morris is going to be on the top five list for defensive coordinators who could potentially become head coach in 2023. I want to see where he's harder. Around. 
which is already yeah. harder. Yeah. But my thought was, and since this has happened to us so many times, I would like to see the Rams go poach an offensive coordinator from a team that has essentially already stolen one from us. So Brian Callahan is the offensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they've had a really good year this year again. I mean, they know how to get the ball in the hands of their top top playmakers. You know, they have a solid running game with Mixon. And then who's the backup? Is it P. Ryan? No. Yeah, Sebastian. Is it P. Ryan? Sebastian. Yeah, there's uh, almost no drop off between an all pro running back and, uh, you know, a fourth round, fifth round pick. Uh, I think that that's an opportunity, right? You steal Zach Taylor away from the Rams, the Bengals, they go to the Super Bowl, could potentially go again. And then you can kind of flip it and take Brian Callahan to become our offense coordinator when Liam Cohn goes back to the University of Kentucky. And then defensively, I think that's a different story, but just something I'm looking at in terms, because I think that's going to be a big offseason topic as coordinators who are potentially going to be poached as head coaches in 2023. Yeah. Broncos are going to be looking for somebody with no Nathaniel Hackett. I'd bet my life that the Raiders fire Josh McDaniels at the end of the season. So they might be another squad. You know, I was leaning towards that. And then Colin Cowherd's got to get on his show and say, if they trade Carr, they have like 11 picks. And yeah, well, I'll tell. And then like McDaniels is like Brady's buddy. And Brady goes back with McDaniels. Yeah, Yeah, that's the only reason I think that they might keep him. But I mean, you know, crazier colludings have happened. I don't think, yeah, crazy crazy things have happened. But then, like, I think the most boring thing that would happen would be he stays in Tampa. He just he just doesn't go anywhere. I don't, I don't think that's going to happen if he's like gearing up for another run. You know, that's going to be him trying to go to another team. If he's it's Tom Brady, like if, if they have eleven picks and they have guys like Darren Waller, right, and they have um, what's his name uh, Adams again next year, like that. Why would you not want to go throw him the ball? The defensive coordinators who are available for head coaching positions. This is. It's from Pro Football Network. I think my list would probably be very similar, except they'd probably have Jonathan Gannon below Leslie Frazier and uh, Ejiro Averro, who was a a former Ram. So D'Amico Ryans for the 49ers, top of the list. Jonathan Gannon, two, Eagles. Three, Leslie Frazier from the Buffalo Bills. Potentially be an option for us, although it seems like the Bills could let up a lot of points in prime time. So um, Ejiro Averro for the Broncos. Defense coordinator, probably their most talented coach on the entire roster. That might be an internal hire, right? And then there's Dan Quinn, who coached the Falcons in the Super Bowl, is now the defense coordinator for the the Cowboys, which is a good hire for them. They have two really good coordinators supporting, holding one leg of Mike McCarthy is Kellen uh, Kellen Moore, and then the other side is Dan Quinn just holding him up and keeping him alive. Yeah. So I don't think – I mean, Gannon started out the year pretty hot, but they are like now last in turnover differential – yeah, um, I don't know if he would keep it. I also, I just don't think um, he has enough uh, experience. I mean, this is his first year as a DC, right? Or am I wrong on that? Who's that? Gannon. This is his second year. Second year. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's one of those guys that this team is so damn good offensively that it's kind of disguising some of the inefficiencies they have on defense. Plus, they got a couple of injuries down the stretch now too, right? Like. Like C.J. Gardner-Johnson is is hurt, defensive back that they need. Uh, they're banged up. I think Jordan Davis got hurt, right? They're banged up up front a little bit. Lane Johnson's hurt on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, obviously, Jalen Hurts is, is banged up. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think Gannon's not – he's not somebody that I would bring into the building and be like, okay, our defense is going to be top three all of a sudden. Yeah. I, so I, I, I feel like a lot of pieces have to already be put in place. Yeah. 
I think uh, Giro Avero yeah. would be fun because he was a former Rams assistant. You get him to come back. I would like that. And the Broncos have a great defense this year. Yeah. So maybe that's that's the one I think I'm going to circle. So like, so you think we're losing Raheem next year? Well, I mean, that's that's the other question, right? Because I I listed five offense coordinators and five defense coordinators who could potentially get poached for a head coaching position. So the, where does that leave Raheem? Mm. It leaves him with the Rams still, right? Right. Which I, mean, I know. I, I don't Rams know. I don't. I don't know if if I knew Raheem personally and he was in the building and he was, I was confident that he was going to switch up the scheme and he had a a story to tell in terms of where he wants to bring the defense next year with, you know, X, Y, and Z personnel. Sure. But I think he kind of has to state his case in order to, uh, to make a running for next year. Although maybe I'm crazy. Maybe he won a Super Bowl and they think he's great. Right. I wonder how much of the Super Bowl still like lurks or, you know, is like on top of like the mojo of that team or if I'm they sure did plenty. so bad that it's kind of like, like this year was like mm-hmm. such a catastrophe with the run it back that they're kind of just like, yeah, we don't really, you know, you want us a super bowl. Great. We're here to win a lot more than just one. Right. You know, right. so maybe he does have to plead his case, but maybe that's, you know, it's just so weird with McVay. Like I thought McVay was going to be our coach for the long, long foreseeable future. But now it yeah. seems like he doesn't really even want to coach like into well, his old age. So who knows? Yeah. Well, I think he's kind of coming around a little bit. I think he's had a good few, you know, three, four weeks with the holidays, had a chance to relax a little bit. But they're not, I don't think this team is killing them like deep down the same way that they did earlier on in the season. Like at least they're trying, they're fighting, they're at least kind of sticking together. The continuity is there up front at least a little bit. So it's not a revolving door on the offensive line. Quarterback's not getting killed. Running back who was a pain in the ass earlier on in the season has become a top guy, right? So things are kind of slightly falling into place. I think my last comment on the defensive coordinators is that if there's a guy like Ajiro Avero and D'Amico Ryans and Jonathan Gannon, like they're not going to go diagonal with a move, right? They're not going to go from defensive coordinator of the Broncos to defensive coordinator of the Rams. They're going to look for a head coaching job, right? So it's not like one of these guys is just going to fall into Los Angeles and we're going to have the top five defense all over again. Right. So I think the, like the, the odds I think are heavily in favor of Raheem still being the defense coordinator. Yeah. I would think that that would be where they land, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, before we, uh, we wrap it up, you and I both have the game on in the background. So what happened yes. is it's suspended right now. Is, is he okay? Is it Hillman CPR on the field? Um, I'm seeing Bills players in tears. I'm hoping the game cancel it. Canceled. Yeah, canceled I don't game. know why they would even continue the game. I think that that's what they're going to end up doing. I think the fans just booed. So I think they're going to keep playing. That's my thought. That's uh it's a good it's a good inkling. But I don't know. I hope Very. they don't for this, you know, the football is not as important as a man's life. Like, no, no, this game gets a little crazy. I think it's it's one thing to remember, like in in the holiday season, like love your family, be with your family, like be close together. Because right. like we, this, this game we is definitely so took some time off to do all those things. <laughs> we did, we did, and we apologize, but we're back two episodes a week for the rest of the year. No worries there. Um, yeah, it's just it's one of those situations where it's like you're. You, I'm happy that the Rams won last year. 
Like it's just, it's another, and it's that it's not even the right thing to say being the first thing that we should be saying is hope the guy's okay. And, and praying for his family and his friends and everybody around him, the whole team. But, um, you know, you're, you're just kind of happy that you have memories like that, right? Like, cause the, the thing with Tua earlier on in the season and, and this situation, it, it gets so scary. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's kind of like a turnoff almost. Yeah. So, all right, well, boys, we will be back and girls. Rams brothers will be back for the rest of the year and have a fun off season. Going to have a fun last game of the season. I'm pumped to preview the Seattle game, knowing the indication um, or the, um, you know, potential playoff berth for the Lions. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. So, And we got one more Knicks picks where we're going to break down all the money that we made this year. Love it. Can't wait. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being a part of this. Thank you guys for sticking with us during this break that we took. We love you guys. And uh, we'll be back soon. Yeah. Horns up, guys. Peace. It's been a long season. Thanks for uh, joining us on the ride. Long season. Appreciate you guys. Go Rams. Peace.